a good day to you. I hope you're safe. Uh, it's good to come into your homes uh, today to bring God's word. And I hope that all is well with you as you look forward to, especially those in the UK, as we look forward to a time where we uh, fellowship, we can go out, we can enjoy life together. Uh, today I want to share from God's word from Luke, Luke's gospel, Luke chapter number 10, from verse 38 to 42. Uh, this is a story of two sisters, and I trust the Lord will help us as we learn from these two sisters and see what we can apply to our lives today. So I'm just quickly pray. Lord, we thank you for your word today. We ask as we look into your word, let the entrance of your word bring life and light to our lives, O oh God, and bring understanding to us, Lord. I pray that we will be the doers of this word in Jesus' name. Amen. So we pick it from Luke chapter 10, 38 to 42. And I'm talking about one thing you need in your life. So if I were to ask you, what is that one thing you think you need in your life today? You know, the last 12 months or so, uh, there's been the pandemic. And many people have one thing they're looking forward to. If you have the chance to uh, verbalize one thing, what would that be? And I want to look at the life of Mary today. And there was one thing that uh, she she got hold of and her life was never the same. So now as they went on their way, Jesus entered the village. A woman named Martha welcomed him into her house and she had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. But Martha was distracted with much serving. And she went up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve the Lord? Tell her then to help me. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things. But one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion and which will not be taken away from her. Mary has chosen the good portion, which will not be taken away from her. What is this one thing that is so important that Mary got hold of? What was this portion that Mary got hold of that Jesus is referring to today? And Jesus made a very important statement. This thing, this one thing, that Mary has will not be taken away from her. Now I'm going to speak about three things very quickly. I want to look at the life of Martha. I want to look at what Mary did. I want to look at the response of Jesus as well, especially to Martha. And I'm going to then link that to Mary. And then we'll look at what is this one thing that Mary discovered. So the life of Martha. So, Today we're looking at two sisters and the responses to Jesus. We see Martha in verse 38 and 40 as very hospitable and willing to welcome people to her home. I mean, I dare say that Martha in lockdown would have struggled because, you know, there's a restriction. 
So Martha would not be able to invite people to her homes as she would have wanted to. But in this passage, we see that she um, welcomed Jesus into her home. Martha is very versatile. Okay, uh, She's constantly busy doing something. And we all have matter moments in our lives. Okay, we have if you have a job, it could be a matter moment because you are busy doing something. If you've got kids, you've got pets, you have even watching television is a matter moment because you are busy doing something. I mean the key thing then you would then ask yourself, okay, what are you busy doing? Okay, what are you busy doing? Okay. Uh that is very important. I remember the uh, Shawshank Redemption. There was a there was um, uh, um, a phrase or sentence that was made there that you know, are you do you get busy living or you get uh, busy uh, or dying? So Martha is a very busy person, as we see, and a typical twenty first century person as well. Uh, a typical Martha is a super organizer. Okay, tries to do so many things at the same time. But the first thing we note about Martha is that she welcomed Jesus into her home. And my first question to you today is that have you welcomed Jesus into your home? Have you welcomed Jesus into your life? We see Martha welcoming Jesus. I mean, imagine the Savior of the world coming to your house. You will be like, wow, wow. I'm so honored. I'm so happy. You know, to welcome you into my house. I mean, imagine the prime minister, the president of a country coming to our area and decides to come to my house. I would be like, wow, it's such a great honor to have you come to my house. And that's the, that's the, the kind of perception you have of Jesus. That the savior of the world, the one that has done miracles, decides to come into Martyr's home. And the key thing there for us is that we need to welcome Jesus into our lives. We need to welcome Jesus into our home. So have you done that today, my friend? Have you welcomed Jesus into your home? Revelation 3.20 says, I stand at the door and knock. You know, if anyone hears my voice and open the door, I will come in and we will share a meal together. Okay, so I want to encourage you today, friends, to consider allowing Jesus to come into your house, to come into your life first, and to come into your home. Make Jesus the Lord of your home. But we then see afterward that when Martha welcomed Jesus into her home, and Jesus, I'm sure, was comfortable, and Martha felt like, okay, I need to cook for Jesus. And so she was making this big dinner, okay? So we pick it from Mark, uh, from verse 40. But Martha was distracted by the big dinner she was preparing. She came to Jesus and said, Do you not care that my sisters left me to serve alone? Tell her now to help me. Tell her to help me. Martha was distracted. Because she was cooking. She felt like, I mean, can you imagine that you've got two sisters, you've got a visitor, and there's so much to do. You want to have a starter, you want to have a main course, you want to have a dessert, and you're all by 
by yourself in the kitchen. And your sister, guess what? She just sat there. I mean, you will be like, what? For real? Are you serious? I'm doing all this work in the kitchen. And you just sat down doing nothing? I mean, Martha would have felt really bad and upset about um, Mary. Because she would have felt that Mary was not helping her. And uh, she went to Jesus and said, Jesus, you know, tell my sister to come and help me. Tell her to come and help me. You know, so Martha was distracted because she felt that she was doing something. She felt that she was doing something. This is a somebody that has welcomed Jesus into her home. And she felt like, I need to make the best meal for Jesus. And then she went to Jesus and said, Jesus, please tell my sister to come and join me because I'm serving you. But look at what Jesus said to her. He said, Martha, Martha, you're anxious and troubled about many things. Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things. Now Jesus began to reveal the heart of the martyr. Now Jesus said to Martha, you're troubled. Now I want to make a, a, a very quick emphasis that, that Jesus did not rebuke Martha for cooking. Jesus did not re rebuke Martha for serving. In fact, if you, if you go to Luke's Gospel, chapter 10, you will find that, that the preceding uh, verses talked about uh, the, the Samaritan, okay, a man that was wounded, and then Jesus was emphasizing that love your neighbor as yourself. So the preceding verses talked more about the need for us to serve people. And as a church, we want to serve people. So as a church, we want to be martyr to people as well. So if, if you're in a local, if a local area, and you don't have a church you attend, if in Portsmouth, if in Gosport or Fairham, you know, in the next few weeks, I try to be hoping again. And, and we invite you to come, to come and fellowship, to come and listen to God's word, because we want to serve you. So Jesus was not rebuking matter. Jesus was not having a go at her, you know, for serving, okay? But there was something more that Jesus was trying to draw the attention of Martha to. So Jesus began to reveal the heart of the matter. You're troubled. You're troubled. Because if you look at verse 41 and 42 that we've just read. He said, tell her to come and help me. But the Lord answered that, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things. But one thing is necessary. Martha was crooked and she must have felt perplexed. She must have felt anxious, upset about what she was doing. And she thought that if she spoke to Jesus, Jesus would tell Mary to come and join her. But Jesus never did that. Jesus said that Martha, you are troubled about many things. But one thing is necessary. Have you questioned God before about what you're going through? Have you ever wondered, why am I going through what I'm going through today? What is wrong with me? Because 
you go to Jesus and you say, Jesus, look, I am doing this. Can't you tell somebody to help me? What increases your level of anxiety? Because Martha at this point was anxious, was worried. And if I may just relate this to our lives today. What worries you? What increases your level of, of anxiety? What are you worried about? Martha was worried about a meal. She felt that she needed to bring out the best meal for Jesus. And she was worried about that. What are you worried about today, my friend? What are you anxious about? Because that was what Jesus said. You are anxious and you're troubled. This is a very, very strange word to speak to somebody. And imagine my, my wife comes to me and I said, oh, you just come and help me. I mean, I will just say, okay, calm down. I'll come and help you. But if I then turn to her and say, you are worried. You are troubled. I mean, she will look at me and say, wow, that's some big word to use for asking you to come and help me in the kitchen. Okay, calm down. I'm not troubled. You know, but Jesus said these words to Martha. That my daughter, you are anxious. You are troubled. Are you anxious today? Are you troubled? I mean, things have happened the last 12 months to so many people. You know, many have lost their lives. Many have lost their jobs. You know, marriages has been on the line as well. And for so many people, this could be you're trying to fix something. But at the heart of it, you're troubled. You are distressed. You are upset. And you're like, what do I do? The, 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 the realities of your life is so perplexing. And you're asking, what do I do? But guess what Martha did? I want to point out. Martha went to Jesus. Why don't you come to Jesus today? You know, the Bible says in Matthew 10, it says, come to me, or you will labor, and a heavy laden. I will give you rest. Jesus can give you rest. And guess what? If you look at Mark, if you look at Mark Luke 11 in, in the New Living Translation, it says something, oh my word, it's so amazing. You know, when Martha spoke to Jesus, I knew, and when Jesus replied to her, Jesus said, my dear Martha. You know, if you look at uh, the ESV I've just read, it said, Martha, Martha. When you call someone twice, it's emphasis. You're saying, hmm. Dire, dire, would you do this? My dear Martha, the New Living Translation says, My dear is a show of affection. My dear daughter, I see you. I understand what you're going through. Hebrews 4, verse 15. It says we have a high priest who understands what we are going through. He says he can be touched. With the feelings of our infirmities. Jesus knew that matter was worried. Jesus knew that matter was troubled. Jesus knew that matter was upset. And Jesus was saying to my dear, just calm down. Calm down. If, I hear, if you're hearing me today, just calm down. All will be well. All will be well. There's light at the end of the tunnel for you. You need to hold on because you have a high priest 
who can be touched with the feelings of your infirmities and he sees you where you are so Jesus never had a go at Martha he just said Martha Martha you are worried about many things what do you do when you're worried what do you do when you're troubled what do you do 1 Peter 5 7 says casting all your cares your anxieties your worries your concern once and for all on him for he cares for you Jesus cares for you my friend he cares about you he cares about you he cares about you. Philippians 4, 6. Said, Be anxious for nothing. But in everything. By prayer and supplication. With thanksgiving. Make your request known to God. And then. When Jesus has said those words to Martha. He said you're troubled. And anxious. But one thing. Is necessary. Which means that. If Martha. Only if Martha knew this one thing then there would, be, there would have been no reason for her to be troubled, for her to be worried. If only you know this thing, my friend, I'm about to say to you, you don't need, all your worries are over, trust me. Your troubles are over. And I say that with all sense of responsibility. That if you know what I'm about to share to you in the next few minutes, your troubles are over, your worries are over. Because Jesus said, one thing is necessary. And Mary has chosen that good portion and it will not be taken away from her because when you have this my friend when you are troubled when you're worried when you have this thing to you you will you have everything when you've got this one thing it cannot be taken away from you because troubles will come worries will come anxieties will come because you have this one thing it will not be taken away from you but what is this one thing what is this one thing? If we go back to verse 39. And she had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. This is the one thing. Mary discovered that the most important thing to her was to sit at the feet of the master was to listen to the teaching of Jesus. And guess what, my friend? <laughs> Back in those days, females or ladies don't sit down at the feet of the rabbi. But Mary felt like, if there's anything I want more than ever, is to listen, to sit at the feet of Jesus. And that was what he did. Mary made a choice. He made a choice to sit at the feet of Jesus. So Mary sat at the Lord's table listening to what he taught. <clears throat> How often do you listen to what is being taught? How long do you sit down? There's one thing to listen to a preach and fantastic. But how often do you sit, sit down and read this word? The Bible said, your word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against you. How can a man cleanse his ways by listening to the word? How often do you sit down to listen, to study God's word? What I'm, what I'm preaching to you today, would you go back and check it? Or do you say, well, he has said it, so that should be the answer. No, you need to go back and check. How often do you 
sit down to listen to God's word. Now we see that she sat at his feet. Now, that is so important for me because it was not just a simple occurrence that Mary sat at the feet of Jesus. Because there were two other instances in the Bible where this happened. If you look at John 11, when um, actually they have a brother called Lazarus, when Lazarus died. Uh, the Bible says that Jesus went there uh, four days after Lazarus died. And what happened then was Martha met Jesus and said, Oh Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. And Martha left. But the Bible says, when Mary saw Jesus, she fell at his feet. And she said the same word. Go back to uh, John 11. The exact words that Martha said were the exact words that Mary said. But when Mary said that, she referenced Jesus. She sat at his feet and said, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. And guess what, guys? Jesus was moved. And the only place in the Bible, Jesus wept. Jesus wept because somebody was at his feet. In John 12 as well, again, we see that Martha was distracted with serving. Martha was serving again in John 12. And guess what? There was a certain lady called Mary. And guess where you find Mary? At Jesus' feet. She broke the alabaster box and poured it. On Jesus' feet. My friend. Jesus' feet is not just. It, 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 it's just. To help us to understand. That when you sit at the feet of somebody. You learn from the person. Mary understood. That. There's something more important. And that is. To sit at the feet. Of the master. And that was what Mary chose. Which would never. Be taken away from her. But what does it actually mean. When you sit at the feet of Jesus. It means. It implies reception. Okay. That you receive him. John 1 12. For as many as received him. It gave them power to become the sons of God. It implied devotion. Okay, Mary sat at the feet of the master. She considered that more important than cooking. And by the way, like I said, it was not about the cooking. It's about the anxiety. It's about the worry. When you're worried, you need to go to the feet of the master. You need to raise your hand in your room and say, Lord Jesus, I come before you today. Lord, I forget all my worries, all my sorrows, all my pain. You are the one that can help me. And I lift my hands to you. I bow to you, Jesus. I want to be in your presence. Because when you, are in, when you stay at somebody's feet, you are in the presence of that person. And how do I know this one thing is important? Oh, if you go to Psalms 27... Psalm 27, there's something there. One of the most 
uh, one of the greatest kings, even the greatest king that ever lived. David. David says something profound in Psalms 27. In verse 4, he understood that there's one thing. Have you not noticed, guys, that oftentimes the, the, the simple instruction, the, the, uh, the most instructions that are very important are very simple. They're very simple. And oftentimes it's not like seven steps or 20 steps, sometimes just one or two steps. When Jesus came, he gave us how many commandments? Just two. Love the Lord with all your heart and love your neighbor as yourself. And David realized that I don't need everything. All I need is just one thing. And in verse 4, one thing I ask of the Lord, this thing I seek the most. What was it? What is this one thing that David said, forsaking all, I want this one thing. Is to live in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. Delighting in the lost perfection, beholding in his temple. In a, a version so that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. In the presence of the Lord. In the presence of the Lord. And guess what guys? When troubles come, guess what the Lord does for you? In verse 5. He will conceal me. Oh my goodness, my God. It will conceal me when trouble comes. You see, when you are anxious, when you are worried, and you are in God's presence, the Lord conceals you. He will hide you in his sanctuary. It will place me on out of reach on a rock. Then I will hold my head high. Above my enemies will surround me. That's the beauty of one thing. Staying in his presence. I see, that was not enough. That was not enough. The man that wrote to third of the New Testament, Paul, was a man of one thing as well. Oh, my friend, in Philippians 3. Philippians chapter 3. You know, from verse 12. He says, I don't mean to say I've already achieved these things or I have already reached perfection, but I press on to possess that perfection for which uh, Jesus first possessed me. No, dear brothers and sisters, I have not achieved it, but I focus on this one thing. One thing. One thing. One thing. And if you really want to know what that one thing is, in verse 10, he said that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his suffering being made conformable to his death. Paul and David realize that there's one thing that matters most. The presence of the Lord. The presence of Jesus. The presence of Jesus. Do you know his presence, my friend? Oh, the presence of Jesus. Oh, his presence. His presence makes the difference. 
Oh, would you stay in his presence? Oh, would you just love his presence? When you're worried, when you're anxious, when you're troubled, would you just go in his presence? And you will say like David, Oh, one thing I desire, and that which I will seek after, that I am a dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. To behold the beauty of the Lord. Because when I'm in his presence, it will conceal me. Oh, my anxiety will be over. Because he said I should be anxious for nothing. But in everything by prayer and supplication. Last week we spoke about prayer. Men ought to pray and not to faint. Staying in his presence is prayer, my friend. Two weeks ago, we looked at Psalm 23. It makes me lie down in green pastures. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want the sheep and the shepherd. The sheep needs the shepherd. The sheep stays in the presence of the shepherd. Because when the sheep stays in the presence of the shepherd, the sheep wants nothing else. It lies down in green pasture. It restores its soul. Friend, there's a restoration for you. Only if you would just embrace this one thing. Stay in His presence. And when you stay in His presence, there's focus. There's focus. You're not distracted about many things. Have you got a need in your life? Just take it to God in prayer. And focus in his presence. And say, God, I come to you. I thank you, Lord Jesus. Because you are all I need. 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 In Matthew 6, from verse 26 or there about to 33. The Bible talks about what the Gentiles seek after. Now why do you worry about all these things? And in verse 33, they seek you first, first, one thing again, hallelujah. Seek you first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all your worries, all your distress, all these things will be added to you. 1 Peter 5, 7, casting all your cares on him, for he cares for you. He cares for you. Oh, how I wish that every day of my life, when I'm worried, when I'm troubled, I can remember I need to do just one thing. To stay in his presence. To learn at his feet. To listen to him. For every problem in life, there's a Bible solution to it. God can give you insight into whatever you're going through. When you sit in his presence, you become a worshiper. Because only those who stay in his presence can worship him. What will sustain you when your strength is limited? When you're worried, when you're tired. It is his presence, the practice of his presence. It's not just one thing, something you do once a while. It's something you must cultivate to do every day. 
we must always come back to God. That is staying at his feet. Mary chose that good part. Mary discovered it. And friends, I hope you will discover today. I want nothing more. I want nothing more. That I will cry like Paul that I may know him. And the power of his resurrection. The fellowship of his suffering. That I may know him. Oh, I don't want to know about him. I want to know him. Daniel eleven thirty two, is that those who know their God shall be strong and do great things. Not those who know about God. I want to know Him. Knowing Him is staying in His presence. Knowing Him is staying in His presence. Do you know Him? Do you know Him? Do you know Him so well? How much do you know him? How much? Friends, today, I just want to encourage you to make it a habit to stay in his presence. To stay in his presence. Mary chose, Mary discovered, and it will not be taken away from her. Friends, are you troubled? Are you worried? Have you lost something? Would you just come into his presence today and say, Lord, I lay everything at your feet. Help me. Lord, I pray for my brothers and sisters today. Lord, I pray for those who are troubled, those who are anxious, like Martha. I say to them, my dear, I love you. God loves you. Just stay in his presence. So help us to stay in your presence. Help us to bring our needs to you. Trust in you. That you will do great things for us. That you will change things for us. And our lives will never, ever be the same. Lord, we thank you. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Friends. We are martyr to you. We want to serve you, but we don't want to be distracted. So when you come to us, we want to be a blessing to you. And I hope that you start practicing the presence of God. God bless you.